Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we are back. And this is day three, and we're doing our 2023 real estate market predictions. Julie, this is the this is the point. Point number 12. Prediction number 12, which we've been working up to for the last two days. And here it is, Julie Harris. Yes, and this is one that you want to memorize. There will be no housing crash. Stop saying it if it's you that's saying it. Stop listening to it. There's not going to be a housing crash. Why? Memorize these talking points. And Tim, I have to say before I roll out these points, I looked high and low. <laughs> Me too. For things for this not to be true, okay, to argue my points, to argue our points, our predictions. There's not going to be a housing crash. Well, I, from having done the homework with you constantly for a long period of time. Virtually about, daily. And we were coaching agents at the highest level back during when there was a housing crash. I wonder why it is that so many people uh, are, I get why people are selling agents into the belief that there's going to be a housing crash. It's so they can sell them short sale designations and all this Mickey Mouse. So I get that. Mm -hmm. But what I don't understand is why there's this uh, bubbling up in all different, you know, really news cycles, CNBC, MSNBC, Fox. I get, you know, when I read my Google alerts and all of these headlines are so geared towards housing apocalypse. And the only reason the headlines are reading like that is because they've tested those headlines and they know that's what people are clicking on, which tells me that the reason that the news cycles and all these news you know, channels are reporting doom and gloom and housing is because there's so many people out there that want to read about doom and gloom and housing. Now, the question I don't know how to answer, and I really don't, and listeners, I would love it if you'd help me work through this, it is a great mystery in my life. Why do so many people want housing to crash? I don't understand why. What's the agenda? Well, I don't understand it either, but I have th- three theories or three categories because I gave this a lot of thought because I'm always massaging this uh, question or prediction. I think there's three categories. Number one is what you said, people trying to sell our listeners stuff that kind of would make sense if there was a housing crash, distressed property lists and all that. They're monetizing the fear, basically. Monetizing the fear. Okay, so that's somewhat logical, although depressing, but it's out there. And let's just be honest, unethical and moral, especially if they have the information knowing what they're selling is a lie. 100% listeners keep in mind that less than 1% of homeowners are distressed. And there's only 50% of homeowners that even have a mortgage. So for example. And the less than 1% that are distressed are the ones that for the most part took out mortgages in the first half of 2022. And now what is expected to happen in the first half of 2023? Rates are going to go down to the low 5% range. And all those people that had maybe rates in the 7 to 8% range are going to refinance and thus making it so that their payments are less, thus lessening the likelihood that their homes are going, that they're not, they're going to have any sort of payment shock. And remember, because of what's going on right now with inflation, even if they bought in the first half of 2022, even if the house went down in value, it's worth less than they paid for it because of inflation. This is one of the benefits of inflation. Mm-hmm. The home will have inflated to the point where they're at least, uh, you know, even on their mortgage, if not have equity, wait two or three years. And now they're sitting on uh, essentially a real estate winning lottery ticket. So anybody who knows all of that and still wants to sell you an REO list, come on, totally unethical. 
Yeah. Why, why don't you go after that 0.8% of the market instead of the 99.2% of the market that's not distressed? Okay. So that's one category. Remember, we're going to why does somebody want it to crash? Second one would be people. And we've had conversations with people in all different stratospheres of price ranges who just missed out. They, you know, the prices were too high or they didn't want to get into a bidding war. They didn't want to compete. They, they feel like they missed out and they're wanting prices to come down in more inventory so that they personally feel like they're getting a better deal. And that goes in, uh, that's also the investor community, right? hundred percent. There's a lot mm-hmm. of people out there that want to do, get, you know, do flipping and do all this other investor type space. And it's all sort of predicated on the ability to buy a house at a discount or on dropping prices or all that sort of thing. So there are a lot of people that have a dog in the fight, and I hope there's nobody fighting dogs, but you guys get the point, it's an old saying, um, that are hoping that prices are going to fall and and there's going to be distressed real estate because it's how they know how to make money. That's right. And the third category, and we work hard to cure this with Premier Coaching, are agents that for some reason, and I think it's mostly agents who didn't actually live through the housing crash, for some reason they are living in the belief that a housing crash more inventory, lower prices, distressed property would somehow make their selling lives easier. Not true. <laughs> Absolutely At not all. true. You want to have those conversations? How fun was that, agents who were there? Well, and very few of you listening and very few of you in the real estate industry were in the real estate industry during the housing crash. And let me tell you, it is nothing to hope for. The, unless you happen to get the Fannie Mae REO account, let's say, but even then, they weren't making really much commission on those sales. No, they weren't. The hardship that it was experienced, it just, in humanity, not even including real estate, the real estate industry was tragic. And you cannot hope that on uh, humanity. It was horrible. Horrible in the horriblest of ways. So for those of you who are attracted, here's the, here's really what I hope you're going to root down on your psychology, drill down on your psychology. If you're attracted to doom and gloom, Ask yourself why. What's your get? What do you? How are you benefiting from believing in the doom and gloom? And I'm going to give you, you know, maybe an opinion, but also experience from coaching. If you're attracted to the doom and gloom, it takes you away from having to do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. Mm-hmm. If you are essentially seducing yourself into believing that tomorrow will be worse than today, that means you are not going to do the things today uh, that you otherwise would have done. For example, when Julie and I are done with this podcast. We are just debating whether we're going to go on a six-mile walk run or whether we are going to go to the gym, neither of which do we want to do, Nope. right? <laughs> and if we thought that there was an asteroid that was going to hit the Earth next month, I promise you, we would not be doing those we things. We would not bother. We would not bother. <laughs> we would be going to Krispy Kremes. That's right. So for those of you who think that it would require less skill and things would be easier during a housing crash... No, 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 no. No. Not at all. There's a, a movie called 99 Homes that we watched. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, if you guys didn't experience it or don't believe some of the stories or haven't even had any of those stories, that movie, I can tell you pretty much every single thing in that movie was real, actually happened. We coached through those times. Mm-hmm. We lived through those times. It is not something that you want. Well, so the good news is you won't have to live through that because there are no <laughs> indications. Nope that there's going to be any sort of housing crash. And maybe in some minor markets, there might be 
a, a little bit of what feels like a housing crash. More we, of an adjustment. Yeah, well, and let's yeah. let's seed that so they can understand. Okay. If you happen to be in a part of the world where there is maybe two or three uh, industries, maybe it's, you know, healthcare, or maybe it's, I'll give you our example. When Julie and I sold real estate, yes, Julie and I sold real estate. Actually, for reals. <laughs> yes, for about 10 years, you know, 100 and 200 homes per year. So there was this area in Columbus, Ohio, that was uh, the Rickenbacker uh, Air, Fort, uh, Air Force Base. Air Force Base, yep. Yeah, and Rickenbacker was leased out to different, um, you know, I mean, over time, it, it, it got reconstituted as being a hub for, you know, delivery of merchandise and things like that. But there were a lot of people that worked at Rickenbacker, then it got decommissioned, and, and obviously, all the housing communities around there, which it was somewhat isolated being an Air Force yep. base, all those housing uh, communities became, basically became what we called foreclosure acres. Um, and there have been other examples that when we were selling real estate where there would have been like, <laughs> this is true. You guys remember Longenberger Baskets? You guys remember it was a, it was an MLM and they were selling baskets and they were handwoven baskets in guess where? Uh, where was it? I think it, it was behind? Granville. It was somewhere out there. Granville. Yeah. yeah. And that company went out of business and there were a lot of that little tiny community, which was so dependent on long and bird baskets, suffered. So there will be parts localized of, of the world, of the United States, where there's going to be what feels like a bit of a housing correction, if not a potential housing crash. That is inevitable. But for the most part, in most of your markets, it's not going to happen. And Julie's written down several uh, really high-level points. Yes. But you should write these down as well. We'll leave you the breadcrumbs that you guys can do your own homework. Julie, go ahead. Okay, so no housing crash. Why? All right, low inventory. Again, previous point uh, of our predictions, we will have a little bit more inventory, but certainly not enough to create a housing crash. High demand, creative mortgages, which have already come back. Be careful, have, not, be careful not to roll from one to the other. Give a little break so if they're writing sure. these down. Okay, yeah. so I'll, I'll re-letter them. A is low inventory. Even a little bit more inventory still is historically low inventory. B, we have high demand, and I'll get into that in a second. Uh, point number C, creative mortgages, things like rate buy down 723, where it's locked in for seven years. You can have a 10-year fixed. All these creative mortgages, which are combating higher rates. Point number D, nearly zero distressed. We just talked about this. Nearly zero distressed uh, properties with no impetus for that to change. Nobody wants that in the government, et cetera. Well, are we drilling down on that one? That's such a sweet point. Yes. Well, okay. Okay. We gonna, so, so let's let, just- let, Let's focus let's on it right there. Through. Oh, I so much want to talk about that. I know. Sorry for jumping on you. Do you want yeah. to do my list and rewind, or do you want to do this? Well, no, let's go ahead. And, yeah, let's do it opposite. Oh, I want to talk about what? Okay, zero distress and no impetus to, uh, for uh, that to change. You and I had a little informal meeting with, um, what was it, four, three people yesterday mm -hmm. who were all high-level real estate people at EXP Realty, where yep. you and I are. Uh, Gene Frederick, for those of you at EXP Realty, Jay Kinder, and AJ Mida. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about this very point. And this is something that no one's really taken into consideration, but Julie and I, I think we're really firm on our opinion about this particular thing. Even in the markets where there's going to be, uh, in some cases, some, uh, you know, let's say, localized distress. Maybe some local unemployment, for example. Exactly. You're going to see the government's going to put in place loan forbearances and all kinds of workouts and all kinds of alternatives to foreclosure. Because the government controls virtually every mortgage in the United States now. By the way, not so back in 07 and 08. But now you're going to see all kinds of workouts that will prevent any kind 
of meaningful foreclosure or any kind of meaningful distress. Some of you right now are think we're abdicating or saying that there should be government intervention and you're going to start shooting off nasty uh, messages to us. Don't bother. We're not giving you our, we're just giving you our opinion. We're not saying whether we like it or not. Julie and I are free market type people, right? Yes, but so, we are facting at this time. Yeah, we're hitting you with, as our daughter would say, <laughs> we're facting. And the fact is, is you know what the government's going to do. You know what their playbook is and the government does one thing better. You know, you know if you want to predict what the government's going to do, look, see what it did in the past. After 07 and 08, what the Obama administration put in place was the uh, beginning part of the playbook of how to essentially, quote unquote, save housing. And the second part of the playbook was what they did with COVID. And that is what they'll do again. And even if there's worst case scenario, and the only thing that might make us wrong about a housing crash on a more national level, and remember guys, in the whole entire history of the United States, there's only been one time when there's been uh, a national drop in homing pr home prices, and that was in 07 and 08, all right? So that's the only time that's happened across the country. Now, if it were to happen again, the only way it could happen again, really the most likely scenario, is if there would be enormous amounts of unemployment or some sort of black swan event, an alien, like a not from the border, but like from <laughs> outer space invasion, right. something and, like and that. And we're going to talk about that on our next but point. But you know what? Way, Maybe yeah. not even then because the aliens are going to need a place to live. Amen to that, right? Alien <laughs> financing. Somebody's <laughs> going to come up with that. Exactly. Place to park. <laughs> if your... we had Bitcoin financing, we can definitely have alien financing. They would most likely want to have a place to park their spaceships on top of the houses. There you go. Rural property. Hot as ever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So... All right. So, but here's the thing. I would have said what you just said prior to COVID based on the experience of 08, 09, and 10 because of loan mortgages and the things that eventually worked their ways out, right? Mortgage modifications. Mod yes, yeah. uh, modifications. Now, I we have been reinforced as a country that the government would prevent a big housing crash due to COVID because if you want to talk about a black swan event, that was a pretty good filter. Right. So again, listen to what she said. Now, you know what the government's going to do. You know that there's no president who, or any sort of any politician who's going to get on camera, right? I am, you know, Bob from, you know, wherever. And, uh, you know, I am an advocate of people losing their homes and go foreclosure crisis. Yeah, because that was fun. Right. It happened <laughs> back in 07 and 08. The homes that went into foreclosure went into foreclosure for the most part before the government had in place programs to prevent homes from going into foreclosure. And also many, many, many different underlying factors like subprime mortgages, which simply don't exist now for the most part. And no equity. Uh, and it, no equity. The, most of the half the country with mortgages have something like 50% equity in their homes. And yes, I know those are not the exact numbers, but I am trying to make an overarching very close, point. Though. There's no reason to believe that there's going to be anything like uh, what happened in 0708. Uh, Julie, Go ahead. Okay, point number E, There, we of course have super low interest rates, which are locked in, which are suppressing a lot of moves. And again, that plays into low inventory, balancing out the demand. Now, uh, F, point number F, millennial and Gen Z buyers who have yet to purchase, that's going to keep demand higher. Related to that, we have the next point, new Americans who desire home ownership. Remember that the single greatest store of wealth is the housing market, the American dream. That is not going away. And I think if anything, it was super fueled by what has happened over the past three to five years. And those of you who were not in the industry and back in 07, 08, 09, it was amazing 
this really insane number of people that were trying to say the idea of the American dream being homeownership is now something in the past. Look in our rear view. That's yeah. the way the 1950s America used to look at real estate. Now it's time for us to talk about socializing housing. Somehow it doesn't make sense. Some people have homes. Some people don't have homes. There needs to be some way of rent control. There, All the socialization of housing uh, conversations started to creep in. They're starting to creep in again, but not in the same level. Why? Because in 09, when the housing market really started to turn around, and frankly, there were a lot of other things that were happening that made owning a home, let alone being in the real estate industry, something that was very desirable. TV shows, oh, Bravo yeah. TV. HG. We had a lot of those uh, people on uh, you know, selling New York and selling LA that were coaching clients. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's really what took all that to the next level. So everything has changed from 07, 09. But what everybody knows now, every adult really knows, is they have seen home prices go up in a meaningful way. Uh, perhaps a, you know, really a, arguably a very inflated way. Sure. Right. And that's never going to change how they think they're going to think about housing as being something that they're always going to want to do because it's going to be the American dream. So it's the wealth accumulation, the American dream is a, is locked in and it's a, a fabric of different ideas, but definitely homeownership is one of them. That's right. And remember, as we've previously discussed, very high equity, unlikely to create upside down loans. Part of that also, and this isn't talked about enough in my opinion, is the Dodd-Frank Act that tightened up so many lending standards that everybody temporarily freaked out about. It was so hard to get a mortgage for a while, but that has given us a net result of very high lending standards. The amount of subprime loans, funky loans, no income, no doc, ninja loans, whatever. Okay, those are a micro percent of the market right now. It's not I forget the very high percent it was in 07 and 08. It was through the roof. It was virtually anybody could get a loan, even if you didn't have a job. Yeah, and the Dodd-Frank thing is something you know that came from the government, came from those two senators. I think it's been a good thing, though. It's been a hell of a good thing. Yeah. Because people had to have higher qualifications, more down payment. But it also made it nearly impossible for any of the hijinks that were happening in appraisal to happen. Yeah, that's true, too. That's, I mean, the appraisal thing, we... I haven't talked about that, the impact that that had. Uh, but ultimately, this comes down to a simple supply and demand equation. As long as we have low or lowish inventory and we have high demand and we don't have distressed out there, then, of course, there's not going to be a housing crash. So please stop saying that. Please stop wishing for it. It is not a good thing. Okay. But, but mostly you've got to stop thinking it's going to happen because, again, it's if you think it's going to happen, if you think tomorrow is not going to be better than today, you're not going to learn how to actually have meaningful conversations with sellers or buyers that's going to result in a real estate transaction. You're not going to make yourself more desirable as a real estate professional. All the things you're not going to do in anticipation of tomorrow not being better than today will absolutely positively, guess what, make it so your tomorrow is not better than today. So those of you who believe in the law of attraction, <laughs> if you're following those headlines and believing that tomorrow is not going to be better than today, what is it that you are attracting to you? That's your think about point from today. And Julie, prediction number 13. Number 13. Now, we've been very positive about our predictions. There's one thing we like to play the devil's advocate here that could wreck some of this. Point number 13, unemployment could drive a recession and change everything. But let's pay attention for a second. The Federal Reserve has been doing its best to, tr to try to slow the economy and cool down inflation. It does seem to be working this far, but the job market might slow more quickly, especially localized, as we discussed, and kick off a recession. Now, Morgan Stanley predicts that a recession is less likely, but Bank of America says it's very likely. In other words, People probably don't know. Now, when you hear these things where they're talking about there's a credit bubble, there's a bubble in car loans, 
All right, so I want you guys to think about this. There will be a bubble that will pop. There will be people that will, you know, default on those types of loans if they do not have the ability to make the payment. Right. If they have the ability to make the payment because they have jobs or, you know, they have the likelihood of even increasing their pay from their existing job or getting a new job, they're not going to stop making their payments. Or getting another job or, you know, getting their real estate license and selling part-time. Okay, so this this whole idea of unemployment that could drive a recession, that's kind of hard to predict, but we use our own observations, as should you, to read your local tea leaves. The current rate of unemployment is just 3.7%, which is a historic low. That means there's more runway than is being reported. Now, look around what, in your own market. What Go do you ahead. mean by that? Well, okay, so let's say that it goes up by two points. That's going to be the headline. Oh, unemployment is up to, you know, four and a half or five percent. Well, compared to the historic low of 3.7, that's still not catastrophic. You've got to keep it in perspective. It's like saying house prices are falling just because you see price reductions. And you've also got to see where, if there were unemployment, where the unemployment is happening. Like when Twitter laid off 2,000 people, what did they call them? Um, surplus surplus elites elites or something <laughs> right. like that yeah right. so that's what be, right. so when when you see these unemployment things these these things that grab headlines don't let that influence your thinking here i'll give you guys uh what would julie and i do we don't we have one tv in our house um mm-hmm. and there's we don't watch the news ever we do have google alerts set up and this is probably what you guys might want to you know do yourselves and we put in specific keywords that we want to pay attention to you can imagine what they are and then Google will just give us every morning a, a summary of the headlines or of the top, you know, the articles that were posted that were matching to those keywords. And it, we don't read anything else. We really do not pay attention to what everybody else is talking about. And here's, we've been doing this for a long time, 10 plus years. Uh, and it is absolutely fascinating to me. We were at dinner with a couple the other night mm-hmm. and they were shocked that we don't watch the news, right? <laughs> and then they started saying the types of things that they're learning from the news and I just was sitting there thinking to myself how much they aren't aware that they're just spouting propaganda that they've not actually sort of straw manned or, you know, iron man or uh, steel, steel man, man mm-hmm. the argument. They don't really realize that they've been brainwashed into thinking a certain way and never taking the time to question the sources of which they're getting the information. So be low information um, so you can in turn provide high value to the people out there that need your help. Well, that's right. So for example, if you're trying to figure out what's going on locally, look around at how many help wanted signs there are in your town and in what areas. Doesn't it seem like everyone's hiring? So far, there's not a lot of meaningful layoffs, again, with the exception of things like Twitter and some of the tech companies. Now, that said, some economists are warning that the job market can become more unstable in 2023. Barclays, for example, expects the unemployment rate to get to about 5% or a loss of about a million jobs. Now, again, Tim, to your point, that's assuming that it got to that point and that those million jobs weren't replaceable or supplemented or maybe some of those people retire. You have to look locally. The most important thing is what are you feeling? What are you seeing? What are you experiencing? That's right. So in other words, it seems like nobody really knows. JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs, they're all you know predicting between zero recession and a modest or short recession, but nobody seems to know for sure. So To us, and you and I talk about this virtually daily, it feels like no recession to us so far. Even if there is a recession, probably going to be light, that could be good for housing in the sense that it may drive more inventory, which we still need to get to, to get to a balanced market. So I, I feel, and I don't know if you agree with this, but it seems to me like we're either going to dodge a recession or it won't be very severe. And even if we do have a little bit of recession, it's not necessarily going to be a bad thing for housing. Yeah, I agree. Because and of inventory. 
you know, supply and demand, all of that kind and of thing. And again, we were listening to another podcast. Guess what Julie and I listened to a lot. <laughs> and this person was talking about having just gotten back from Vegas. Mm-hmm. It was all in actually. Mm. And he was talking about having just gotten back from Vegas and how um, he was, you know, he chats up uh, the locals there that are working and living there and asking what they're experiencing in November, I guess, is normally a slow month in Vegas. And the guy, uh, uh, who was it? It was uh, one of the Davids, right? David mm-hmm. Freeberg. He said yeah. that the reports back were the November was one of the busiest months, busiest Novembers in the history of like Vegas, right? Yeah. More people going there mm-hmm. to spend money on vacation. And you and I mm-hmm. heard other similar things. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, Julie and I live at a Ritz-Carlton um, in uh, Puerto Rico. Yep. It sounds very she-she and, you know, it is. Uh, so the hotel that's here is uh, hiring in all positions. So here we are leading into a recession. Like we're talking about the golf course, the food services, the restaurants, the waiters, the waitresses, the spa, the guys that blow the leaves. Like literally every section of the very big neighborhood is hiring. And I would add to that Zoe's school, looking for teachers, looking for cafeteria people, looking for security guards. Everybody is hiring pretty much everywhere you look. Now, why are we why are we pointing these things out? They seem like okay, reel it in. Because if there were a recession or if people were anticipating hardship, the last thing they're going to do is go to Vegas in November. The last thing they're going to do is fly down to Puerto Rico and stay at an expensive hotel. You guys get it? So that's confidence. If people are feeling confident, how the hell can there be a recession? Oh, Tim, you're only dealing with people in the upper end. Well, that is true for where we live, but that is not true for Las Vegas. So if you're seeing consumers' willingness to spend money on expensive, like relatively speaking, travel and that broad range of spectrums, where the hell's the recession? Help me understand. Yeah. See, I have a theory about that too, which is that we still have a bit of a COVID lockdown hangover where people, I mean, airline tickets are going up, but people are still traveling. We have gas prices went up, but people are still traveling. I think that there's still this sense of get your adventure on, go to Vegas, do this, have real vacations, go out and do things. Go have a, but, you but know. But people aren't doing that if they think yeah. they're going to get fired. No, that's right. Yeah, that's or right. Pe- if they're self-employed, they're not doing that if they're anticipating a slowdown in their income. Especially with higher prices, the impact of inflation and people are still spending money like that. Isn't that interesting? So, so guys, put all this, you can see where Julie and I, if you've listened the past few days, you can see where our minds are going. We don't believe a lot of the headlines that are out there and we don't understand because we've read the tea leaves. We've looked at all these uh, forward indicators that these people are looking at. And it doesn't make sense. The two things are a mismatch. It just honestly, yeah, could interest rates increase? Yes. Will that decrease demand? Probably in some price ranges, but not in a significantly meaningful way. Could there be unemployment? Yes. Are there any indications that there's going to be mass unemployment? Are you feeling it? Are you seeing it? So you got to trust your own experience and stop looking for these, if anything, guys, (laughs) over the last two or three years. Haven't the people who are supposed to be the all-knowing oracles proven themselves to be frauds with virtually no exceptions? The people that we thought we could trust, and Julie, you're crestfallen because you come from a very educational, your parents were teachers and you are believed to, you know, trust far more than me. You are believed to trust, you know, the experts and the sure. scientists because mm-hmm. you come from scientists. Yeah. And then you did, that was an emotional peeling of, you know, it was hard yeah. for you to accept the fact that these, all that's been politicized. Well, and that's why I do a lot of our own research, right? Well, and you have to, so you have to rely on your experience. You have to d- rely on the facts, but not just for one isolated instance that you looked up 90 days ago. You have to watch this stuff 
the things that matter, like setting up the Google alerts for the housing market and interest rates and what's happening with mortgages and new types of mortgages and you know how many homes are going in contract and what's happening to pricing. The things that affect your real estate practice, you personally have to be tuned into. We talked yesterday about watching your hot sheet. What is actually happening versus what's being reported to be happening. Now, here's the best news of all. And this isn't a prediction. This is just a fact. And we're going to get to point number 15 here in a second. Prediction number 15. And this is going to be, again, a little counterintuitive based on what we've been saying for the past three days, but I want you to internalize what Julie and I are passing along to you now. It Honestly, none of this stuff really matters. You happen to have been smart enough at some point to get a real estate license, mm-hmm. and you happen to be selling something that everybody needs, right? Yep. You're not selling luxury travel to the Ritz-Carlton Puerto Rico or you know, travel to, the ho- uh, you know, to some expensive hotel in Vegas. You're not selling Ginsu knives. You're not selling fancy cars. You're not selling things that people could just say, I'll pass on for now or I'll wait. You're selling something that everybody needs in a market, even in the hardest of real estate markets. You're going to have people that have to buy or sell. You're going to have people that have to buy or sell for all the normal reasons, death, birth, birth, divorce, all the relocation, all those types of reasons, right? You will, in the worst case scenario, take out the speculative um, you know, buyers and sellers but percentage-wise, yes, I know over the last few years that's been a lot. It still leaves millions and millions of real estate transactions. So you are smart enough to uh, get a real estate license. You're selling something that everybody needs. If you're running Bob's Pie Shops and there's a recession in Bob's community, Bob's probably going to go out of business because people are going to stop purchasing his expensive pies. You see the difference? And you, Bob has to pay for his own pie inventory, but you do not. Right. And all these other reasons that Julie just tipped her hat on. You have to get your head out of the negativity and move away from you know being a lemming going off the cliff of bad news. Because no matter what direction the real estate market goes, you are blessed to be in this industry provided you know what to say, how to say it, and you have the mindset of being of service to other people. Do not be a lemming. Do not follow people off the cliff. The next natural step for all of you to do is join Premier Coaching. Just text the word Premier to 47372. Text the word Premier to 47372 or just go to premiercoaching.com and you can start attending a coaching session with your uh, Harris Certified Coach today and you can be around other like-minded people. And that's really important. If you're surrounded right now with people who have bad attitudes, your environment sucks. And that can, your physical environment, but also your virtual environment. Stop surrounding yourself. We were talking about the media. Go media free. If you're finding yourself on a bunch of uh, Facebook groups or a real estate brokerage or an environment where people are not you know, feeling like you know you need to feel to make the, become the person you want to be, you need to disassociate with those environments. And you need to do it urgently. It is unbelievable how subversive, you know, quote unquote, good advice from people at times like this can be uh, and how it accumulates and causes you to lose years. And there are a lot of people to this day that are still licking their wounds from 2007, 2008, 2009. To this day, there's still people that are trying to make up for the wrongs that happened back then. Don't be one of those people. Be ahead of the curve so you don't have to needlessly suffer. It is a choice. 
So be inspired by people who are like-minded and positive and have lots of deals pending and lots of active listings. All you have to do is text the word Premier to 47372 to sign up for Premier Coaching for free today, or you can simply go to premiercoaching.com. And remember when uh, texting, message and data rates may apply. Now, point number 15, or- Do you want to do- we Yeah, need 14, 14, 15. Okay, 15 is a cliffhanger. So point number 14, <laughs> social media. These are predictions. Social media will continue to replace more traditional marketing practices. And we promise to bring you more and more about that in upcoming podcasts. But according to our National Association of Realtors, or NAR, uh, 70% of real estate professionals are already using video in their social media. Also, according to NAR, 41% are using social media in an attempt to lead generate, but to varying degrees of success. Very low degrees of success, That's actually. right. Now, remember, your media, assuming that you choose to do it, needs to be quality content providing value and a call to action that you will answer that is specific to your market and specifically about buying or selling real estate. We did a whole podcast series about YouTube, for example, about topics that are appropriate for your social media, specifically videos. Now, that's not much of a prediction because everyone sort of knows what's happening. Sure. And the reason that Julie listed it as point number 14 is because it's something that we're going to see um, become more prevalent because of what our prediction is in point, uh, prediction number 15. And number 15 is artificial intelligence will become an amazing tool for real estate practice. And we're going to talk to you guys on tomorrow's show specifically about what AI is going to do. But I'm going to give you a little um, advanced coaching tip here. So... Julie talked about short video and, and let's say, let's compare it to traditional marketing, you know, postcards and things like that. So if you have, go to your mobile phone and pull up Google and in Google, put in the types of search words or phrases that let's say, for example, a homeowner or a home buyer would be using for looking for information about the local housing market. You live in Smithville, Illinois or whatever. You want to sell your house. Like how to price my home in Smithville. Exactly. What you're going to see is what uh, Google is not doing in all markets, but in most markets, is they're now putting, after the paid ads, they're putting video results as the top uh, search results. That is going to be a huge sea change. And the best part is short video is getting the preference in the YouTube and Google. Remember, YouTube own, I'm Google owns YouTube. So short videos of two minutes or less, and we teach you guys how to do that in Premier Coaching, are starting to show up in the Google search algos at a much higher level than even blog or written type articles or even, wait for it, wait for it, the um, you know the Zillows and the, and the Realtor.coms. So what does that mean? It is open wide for those of you who've wanted to, who missed out on the opportunity to have high search placement through SEO, which really kind of played out in the early 2000s. Uh, especially when the portal started becoming more dominant mm -hmm. to get any sort of, you know, prime keywords, you actually can rewrite history if you start creating short form video. Uh, the short form video, if you have to, and again, we talk about this a lot in our coaching program, is not a replacement for proactive lead generation, especially if you need to generate cash flow really quick. But if you start creating a preponderance of short form video on your particular real estate market, and again, we teach you how to do this in Premier Coaching, you're going to find it's an accumulation effect type effort. It might take a year. It might be something that you have to create, start creating one or two or three short videos every single day. But you will see a staggering increase in the opportunity for you to, if nothing else, validate yourself as a real estate expert in that particular market. And that's really what social media has been. It is a uh, buyer lead source for the most part, but what it's going to turn into is a validation resource because of the advent of AI. And I'll tip, I will give you a little uh, foreshadowing under this one. 
goes if you can, and there it's in beta, and they're not allowing everyone to get access to it. You've heard everyone talking about it. Uh, Julie and I were able to get an account. It's ChatGPT, and so what ChatGPT is going to do, and all of the companies that are going to start creating uh, content based off the open source software that is ChatGPT, it's going to revolutionize flipping everything. And we're going to give you guys a list of probably 20 or 25 things that will be affected uh, in a very you know short order in the next 12 months because AI is finally uh, ready for the main stage. So that's going to be tomorrow's podcast. In the meantime, guys, thank you for continuing to make this number one list to daily podcast for real estate professionals and at least the United States. As always, please like and subscribe this podcast. Uh, we know that you are using this information to keep yourself motivated um, and keep yourself uh, focused on what the opportunities are in this marketplace. But the one thing we can't do with this podcast that's 100% up to you is to get into action. So the way you can get into action now is use this information, really drill down on the fact that this is your market because of this market. Stop waiting for the clouds to clear. You can be successful helping people no matter what direction the real estate market is going. You can sell homes. You can help people. You can create the life of your dreams, provided you take the actions that are necessary. If you do not have the cash flow, if you do not have the deal flow, if you don't have the level of success that you know you can, it's because you have yet to earn the right to be the person to do the real estate transaction. The way you do that is with the knowledge you provide. Hopefully that resonates with all of you. And if the, if it does not yet uh, resonate with you, keep listening to this podcast. It is the number one listen to daily podcast for real estate professionals in at least the United States. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. And tomorrow it's going to be 25, th- 25 ways that chat is really going to affect and mostly real estate, but really all industries within the next 12 months or less. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.